Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished research professional and author who has a deep knowledge of Japan from Japan right now, Dr. Megha Vadfa. Megha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Megha is a researcher from at the Free University of Berlin. She's an author, and all of you know I'm very, very partial to authors. Mm-hmm. She's an author of a book titled Indian Migrants in Tokyo, a study of socio-cultural, cultural, religious, and working worlds. She's also been filming documentaries, including Daughters from Afghanistan. She did a seven-minute documentary, Indian Cooks in Japan, and Finding Their Niche, Unheard Stories of Migrant Women in 2022. So, uh, Mega, before we talk about your book, please share with me your own academic and professional journey in brief. Okay, so I uh, moved to Japan in 2007. And uh, at the time, before I moved to Japan, I was actually working for a Japanese company in India. And uh, I was also uh, learning Japanese language from uh, Delhi University. And in the time, I thought that I want to learn more about Japan or more Japanese language. I just wanted to like move abroad, Uh, but it was more for like personal circumstances. But then there was this desire to do, even if I'm moving out, there has to be a Japanese element in Mm. what I do. Mm. And then uh, I was considering uh, Australia for my master's at the time and like planning to do a double degree course there, Japanese studies and... uh, international relations some kind of course like that Mm -hmm. but then my mentor of Japanese language he's professor Ashok Chavla Mm -hmm. he insisted that I move to Japan because if I want to do Japanese studies why am I going to Australia Uh why when you can go to Japan go Mm -hmm. to Japan Mm -hmm. so then that uh, and then he suggested that I should actually learn the language, like take mm. my language to next level. Mm. So I basically came to Japan in 2007. And my original plan was that I would learn language for one and a half, two years. Mm. And I will move back to India. Okay. And maybe do something like related to Japanese language or something. Mm. But I think life had completely different plans for me. Mm-hmm. I When I was learning the language, I was doing various small jobs. Mm. So I was working, I started, my first job was uh, with uh, actually an a entity, kind, it's, a, it's a calling card company mm-hmm. and I was working there and then it was a very English and Hindi oriented job mm-hmm. while I was learning Japanese mm-hmm. and it was a very uh, Indian and a very foreign atmosphere. So mm-hmm. it was a very comfortable place, but then I think I was challenging to look outside my comfort zone mm. that was why I left India so then Correct. I was like no I have to challenge myself and be in a Japanese environment mm. because I'm here to learn Japanese language and to learn about Japan mm. so I quit that job after a month or two I think I can't I mean I don't clearly remember mm-hmm. how many months mm-hmm. I worked and then I went to uh, like five minutes walk from where I was living there was a family mart which mm. is like a convenience store mm-hmm. and I saw like a post of uh, uh, they were recruiting part-timers mm. so I went to the person and in my broken Japanese I told him that I want to do a job here mm. then I worked in that place for like six months and I think 
that played a very important role in mm. in especially improving my japanese accent and okay. making me a little confident mm. in how i speak japanese but there is still a lot more japanese i need to learn sure. i think sure. an ongoing journey mm. then um, i remember one of those uh, one i think there was this time i was going to meet somebody at the embassy indian embassy and uh, at the time my university from where i did my graduation was uh, was uh, on the way to the old embassy now the embassy mm-hmm. is on a different station mm-hmm. and then i crossed this university and i looked at it and i was like oh i wish i could just get into this university one day mm-hmm. so i was like i didn't know that maybe that was my moment of manifestation you know mm-hmm. and then few years down the line sorry i forgot to mention something very important so after working 6 months for this uh, convenience store mm-hmm. i moved to english teaching job Hmm. because i thought like okay now i have had enough experience and now because that job was very tough it hmm. required a lot of heavy lifting hmm. and uh, it was like a lot of standing involved hmm. and i was not it was of course like lower than my skills because i was okay. i was coming from a certain sure. background atmosphere so i thought okay i've taken 6 months of experience but i don't think like now i can do more of this hmm. so i decided to move to uh, english teaching job mm. but then in that time too like i wasn't getting like enough i was in, because i was supporting myself mm. i wasn't getting any money from my parents or anything mm. so i was like completely paying my fees and mm. uh, doing a lot of self support so uh, sometimes when you do english teaching jobs you do not get like enough hours of work mm. that mm. you are allotted to yeah. Yeah. and then i was like if i have to do two jobs and finish my 28 hours of working i would need to do one more job mm. and then i decided to do like uh, again convenience store mm. because then i thought okay i'll mix them too yeah. so anyway so after uh, two years then because i was doing teaching that led me to so family my job teaching job all of this was of course for money but there was a lot of experience that i was gaining and mm-hmm. it's shaping my thoughts as to what i want to do in the future for myself mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where do i want to go do Correct. i want to go back to the corporate world Correct. or do i want to go into the education line mm-hmm. I'm, i'm sorry to interrupt but i think we'll have to move to your book oh okay sorry faster. i'm talking too much that is my biggest problem uh, no 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 so the talk okay so i'll just cut it short so mm-hmm. i think that teaching profession basically led me to uh, get into more into the education line because i mm-hmm. started enjoying teaching very much and then mm-hmm. i was like uh, i want to study more mm-hmm. because i want to get into teaching mm-hmm. and that is how i decided to go back to this university i had once manifested that mm-hmm. i go to so i applied to sofia university for my masters and i got through the the entrance exam and this is the and university of berlin is what you're talking about no i studied okay. in uh, japanese university okay. was sofia university japan okay okay yeah so uh, then i had next scholarship in my second year of my masters and then that opened up an opportunity for me to study further which was then i did my doctoral in japan mm-hmm. and that's what led me to stay in academia after that and then i became like i'm like super passionate about my research and what mm. i am doing mm. so Fantastic. this was yeah so it was not like i was when i graduated i was like this is what i want to become mm. it was just my life experiences that led me to be the person Fantastic. i am today fantastic so now i want to talk to you about your book uh, you know indian migrants in tokyo a study of socio cultural religious and working worlds 
Um, before I ask you the book, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out Dr. Mega Vadba's book on Amazon. I'll go and check it out myself as well. So tell me a little bit about your book and what encouraged or inspired you to pursue research in migration. So in my master's, I was actually working on gender. So I was looking into lives of uh, Indian women after marriage, mm -hmm. which was a very interesting research for me. Mm -hmm. Then uh, when I got into my PhD, uh, we were discussing, I was discussing with my mentor mm -hmm. uh, because I was very inspired by my mentor during my master's who mm -hmm. used to, who is an expert on Philippine migrants in Japan. Okay. Uh, he used to talk a lot about the Philippine migrants. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that used to, because I was an Indian migrant, I was myself going through a lot of struggles. Mm. I was meeting a lot of Indian migrants and we were having these discussions. And whenever he would do his presentation, I would be like, oh my God, there are so many things that we can also do about Indian migrants in Japan. Mm. And I was then that was, I think that was the spark. Like he created that spark in me mm. and my own struggles, the struggles of the people that I was surrounded with. I felt like Indian community in the time that I was here did not have a voice. Mm. So I think that became, you know, like at the back of my mind, I was like, I want people to know about the Indian migrants in Japan. Mm. And that is why I very, you know, uh, start, I write, started writing for the print media, mm. the Japan Times. And then I was like, I am doing this dissertation, but my aim is that this has to get published. Mm. I want the voices of people to be known. I want you know, people to know actually what are their opportunities, what are their challenges, how did they come to Japan? Mm. So that was the main, you know, like, it just Fair all enough. came together. Fair enough. And uh, tell me, Megha, how has the Indian community in Tokyo evolved over the years? I mean, I know, I have several friends for whom uh, Tokyo or Japan is home. They carry Japanese passports and these are Indians. Um and what have been some of the factors that have contributed to this evolution? So I think like, as you said, like you may know that, you know, uh, if you see go back in time hmm. and uh, it started with, you know, like introduction of Buddhism, even though it was through Korea. And then, you know, the first Indian merchant who came to Japan was in 1870. Hmm. So, and now in the 21st century, you see, a, an influx of professionals mm. so I think these Indian uh, these things have evolved like you know from from Yokohama Kobe being the port you know of a lot of Indians mm. now it's Tokyo like you where you see a lot of Indian professionals mm. coming and uh, I would credit the uh, Indian professionals for that matter you know like the IT boom in India has played mm. a critical role in changing the image of, you know, like India, not just in Japan, but over all over the world. Yeah. You know, like because we people used to look at India as like a curry rice poor country, you mm. know, but now it's a curry, uh, sorry, it's the country of gifted engineers. Like, you yeah, know, right. now people look at yeah. us differently. So I would credit the Indian people who are working so hard mm. to, towards, you know, growing professionally. Mm is you know they get the biggest credit of mm. this change mm. or of well you know of this evolution that has come around the world not just in japan mm. so one of the i mean I, I agree with you because i've lived as an expat not in japan but in several other countries um, one of the unique challenges that you just spoke about was the impression of indians and i completely agree with you but other than that what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities 
that migrants mm-hmm. from India have faced when they have moved to Japan? So uh, I think let's start with the opportunities, you know. Mm-hmm. So like if we look into this whole concept of migration, I think mm-hmm. like India, the, the whole migration opens up like a new uh, horizon for you, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just such a beautiful experience to live yeah. in a different culture. So I think uh, this whole migration experience and this experience when you come across the cultural shock, mm-hmm. it actually benefits to shape your own personality Mm. And also to understand your own culture, mm. better, you know, I wouldn't talk about the the normal opportunities that you have, like you have sure. economic opportunities, of Absolutely. course, all know, mm. because that is the reason why majority of us do move to a foreign country. So I'm mm. not talking about those regular opportunities. I think the the actual opportunities are to to know your own country better, to know yourself better, mm. which the migration presents to anybody. And I think I recommend to not just Indians, everybody, even the Japanese people that I teach sometimes that please leave your country and leave live in another country. Absolutely. For Absolutely. Because, uh, and then in terms of challenges, I think like, so these challenges can actually also shape you in a beautiful way. Mm. For example, uh, the biggest challenge that an Indian come, comes across is of course the, the language. Mm. Uh, it is also food because many vegetarians find it very difficult to adjust in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the language, like I said, is a very big barrier because mm-hmm. that restricts your integration in the initial years, which right. are very crucial mm-hmm. because you are not able to uh, make friends. That creates loneliness sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then how do you use that loneliness to your advantage is like an individual right. talent, you know, like right. how you can use this to grow or understand yourself in that yeah. moment yeah well said well said but tell me you know i've been reading plenty of articles and of course i was reading a little bit to prepare for my conversation with you how much of an influence has japan's aging population had on had on the migration policies of the country i think it has had an uh, had a huge uh, uh, impact of course mm. you know like if you see in the 1990 uh, it was only 0.7%, uh, 0.75%, some 0.75% or around that much, you know, mm. the percentage of the foreigners. Uh, uh, but now it is like around 2%, a little wow. over 2%. Mm. So it has changed a lot. But I think uh, the problem still is that how are they going to, to make foreigners have a a pleasant experience mm. of staying in Japan. Mm. How can they have them stay over for a longer period of time? Or mm. I don't know, maybe they don't want foreigners to stay mm. for a longer period of time. They want them to go back mm. after a certain period of time because this is something many countries follow. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. But and yeah, I think... Go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah, there needs to be more effort to help these foreigners feel mm. at home in Japan, if at mm. all they do want to come to a proper solution for their aging population. Mm. Well said. The uh, Also, you know, every time I've gone and stayed in, in some other country, what influences a lot of the ability to stay there comfortable is the situation of the bilateral relations between two countries. The Japan and Indian bilateral relations are currently, I believe, at an all-time high. Yeah. How do you see these relations between nations impacting mi- migrants from India? 
I think it okay so for example like I write this about I write about this in my book as well mm -hmm. so if you talk to like early migrants who had moved to Japan in that time mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say like India and Japan have ever had a bad relationship Absolutely. like there have yeah. been like a little bit of ups and downs Absolutely. of course yeah but they've, they've never been like on bad terms ever mm -hmm. but of course yeah like you said it's at the peak right now that is also because India is in demand correct so you can't you can't afford not being friends with india or japan or anybody else yeah so i mean i'm not trying to be arrogant but it's the fact so i'm with you yeah. yeah so but um the bilateral relationship helps in the from the perspective that if you see like you know like i said the old people when they moved to japan it was more about you know hmm. curry country of curry country of snakes and you know then in elephants moved. walking down marine drive oh, exactly yeah even uh, to me somebody asked me if i owned an elephant during one of my english classes and i was i was like yeah i do but i i don't take it to office because there's a lot of parking issue uh, so i keep my elephant at home because <laughs> i was being sarcastic so like but then like five this was like 2008 this conversation somebody asked me this but like down the line 2011 2013 like in that period people started looking at india as like wow you're from india mm. for a very long time they were confusing india and indonesia and this is something which many of the interviewees that i spoke to for my research also said that the impression of india had changed now they look at indians as you know um oh you must be very clever you must be very intelligent so stuff like that I'm, so no I'm, I'm completely with you you know I'm talking three decades ago when we moved to the Far East and our little children now, they're, of course, big young men. <laughs> but when they were you know, seven, and, uh, seven and five and they were swimming in the condominium and some person came and asked my wife that, oh, I didn't know Indians could swim. So she, my yeah. wife responded and said, yeah, we have a pond next to our village, which is where they learned how to swim. So, <laughs> so you're absolutely right on, on, on uh, misconceptions. But tell me, most Indian migrants in most parts of the world somehow or the other manage to retain connections to their cultural and religious roots. Hmm. How does this happen in Japan? I think the Indian migrants in Japan or uh, in fact, like you said, like Indians anywhere in the world, they're doing like a beautiful job. It hmm. Because I have now also doing research on Indians in Singapore and Indians in Germany. Hmm. And I get so impressed, like, the kind of efforts they make. Mm. For example, some, uh, they have tried to, you know, uh, uh, make like, so there is a religious place, which is not just a religious place mm. for Indians. You know, of course, it is a religious place. People like, you know, there is a routine. They want to go. Uh, they have that craving that, you know, they want to go to the temple, do, you mm. know, a little bit of prayer and stuff. Right. Or they want to teach their uh, their children to do that so mm. for that they make efforts in japan you have like indian people who uh makes they have small temples some also have small temples at home mm. that they open for the community there are organizations that organize uh festivals uh, like diwali holi and as the number of indians are increasing their you know the festivals are becoming Correct. bigger because mm. they have more funding so they make lots of efforts and also at individual level, people are making an effort mm. to, you know, uh, not just to keep their own culture, but also to spread it or make the Japanese people aware of their culture, you know. So the efforts are being made. 
sometimes consciously sometimes unconsciously mm-hmm. and uh, even like indian embassy holds many events uh, there are other groups like you know in the the area where there are a lot of indians mm-hmm. some individuals who have you know a place where they invite people from uh, india to do some kind of cultural events mm-hmm. and a lot of efforts are being made by people mm-hmm. to well keep cultural intact well said uh, my next question to mega is uh, about you know i wanted to get your perspective on the role of gender experiences of indian migrants in japan yeah <laughs> that's a topic that uh, creates a little bit of sadness in me <laughs> mm-hmm. i've been and, to japan several times which is why i put this question in for you yeah also because my latest film finding their niche unheard stories of migrant women is actually a story of two uh trailing spouses okay. women who follow their husbands mm-hmm. uh, as a result of marriage mm-hmm. um, and their expectations are like you know like they come with an expectation like when you move abroad mm-hmm. have certain aspirations but then it's just like you know suddenly everything shatters the world is totally a different place for them so then um so the i think i'll just start it's not not just for indian migrants i think there is a lot of gender issue in japan absolutely as a society itself the other day i was seeing this poster where they're talking about a conference about sdg mm-hmm. in in a university and the poster has five or six old men mm-hmm. on the photo all of them japanese mm-hmm. no diversity at all so why are we even talking about diversity mm-hmm. what what is the meaning of diversity is something people need to know mm-hmm. it just when but then when you talk about gender how mm. do you fit that gender in diversity it becomes mm. like more you know depressing um just the other day i was just having a conversation with one of my uh friends mm. and both of us like you know if you are a career oriented person as a woman mm. i think you will face far more challenges to reach your dreams correct in japan mm-hmm. in comparison to a male mm-hmm. migrant male indian migrant mm-hmm. so there is a lot of challenge like i do have like uh, and this problem is big amongst the uh, trailing spouses mm-hmm. who actually move as a result of marriage in comparison to to women like me who actually move for their career mm-hmm. but for us also the path is not easy mm-hmm. nonetheless it's harder for them because they don't come prepared mm. i at least had a japanese language background they mm. come here because they want to start a new life so i think like when you get married starting a new life anyways is difficult you know because right. you're moving to a different uh, mm. atmosphere but then it becomes 100 times more difficult because you're moving to a new country you're leaving right. behind your yeah. social circle so i think there is a lot of uh, conversation that is required in order mm. to pay attention to how this can help the migrants mm-hmm. integrate especially these group of migrants to be integrated in the society because they are the wives of the highly skilled migrants who are actually contributing in the economy of you know like economically they are contributing yeah. to japan so mm-hmm. and japan needs them absolutely so i agree they need them they need to pay attention to the gender aspect mm-hmm. well said Very much, so, yeah. may I have time for one more question, and yeah. therefore I'm going to ask you this question based on all the work that you have done for migrants, and given the fact that Japan is opening 
uh, its doors to a lot of people from India. What advice would you give to aspiring migrant, not workers, but migrant, migrant Indians who are interested in going and working in Japan? I think like one of the most important advice I would give to any migrant mm. is that before you move to any country, mm. please do your homework. Mm. And I, like I said in the beginning of the interview, I am very much in favor of migration for a right. few years, for long term, that is your personal choice. Mm. But going and living out in a different country is a beautiful thing and a beautiful experience mm. for your growth. Mm. But don't go with, don't get lured into into the jobs that you're being offered negotiate know your value mm. be strong don't sell yourself short mm. like i said do your homework and all this includes you know like doing your homework in the sense mm. like coming to japan try to know that how much of your japanese skills will help you in the job mm. you're into mm. or know what kind of place you can have how mm. many indians are there and social media has made these things very easy correct correct Correct. So all these getting more information about the new destination that you're mm. moving to is mm. very important. Very important. And look into the right sources. Mm. Read my book. Mm. Read your book, of course. Or watch my films. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, on that note, uh, Mega, and you know your last point, which is so so important, and there's so much wisdom in it that you know, before you even consider moving uh, overseas, do your homework and don't sell yourself short. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own amazing journey. I mean, I think you seem to be seem to have been very clear for a, for a long time that Japan beckons, and therefore that is where you wanted to be. That's that's very creditable for someone young. Thank you for speaking to me about your book, Indian Migrants in Tokyo. Thank you also for speaking to me about so many different aspects about life in Japan. Thank you again, and good luck to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.